Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, Bondi legend, triathlete, surfer and all-round good bloke Spot Anderson stops into the beach shack as we chat about old school Bondi. Mario joins me in the shack for Beach Banner to tell us about his modelling career and I answer some questions from the mailbag. So let's now jump into our interview with Spot. I'm here today with uh, one of the legends of Bondi Beach, Spotty Anderson, and he's got a great story. Born and bred Bondi. How are you, Spot? Good, thank you. Good. Just been down the beach. Yeah, it's nice down there. Waves? Yeah, little waves. Yeah. Good. Nice swell. That's good. You like, you like the little ones and the big waves. So. Oh, yeah. We don't discriminate. Any, <laughs> any wave's a good wave. <laughs> so you grew up uh, at Bondi. So tell us a bit about that. You've got a big family. You grew up down there. <laughs> Love the beach. A lot of sporting uh, in your family. Yeah, we um, uh 10 kids, and I was second last, so... Uh, Swimming lessons at um, Bondi Icebergs. Yeah. There used to be a guy there, Phil Rothman, with one leg. And uh, anyone from our era remembers the one-legged swim coach. <laughs> and uh, the big brothers threw me off the rocks at North Bondi there. Yeah. And um, that was my first And that's how you learnt to swim? Yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, <laughs> the one-legged man and getting thrown off the rocks and <laughs> been swimming ever since. And surfing, you, were, you, you took up surfing at a young age? Yeah, I surfed foamies for a long time. I surfed like guys like Kerbox and that were on the hardboards early, but I probably stayed on foamies till I was about 15. Yeah. And then went glassboards and started competing. Yeah. And how was that? Tell us a bit about the competing days. <laughs> <laughs> a bit wild back then. Yeah, it was a little bit wild. I was in, um, I laugh when I think about Kerbox because um, of our family situation, his mum used to always pick me up <laughs> and um, take me to the surfing comps. And he was always, you know, one or two years younger. So I pretty much went to nearly every surfing comp when I was a kid with him. Yeah. And um, trying to work out if he started me drinking or I started him drinking. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's at one of the schoolboy surfing comps, we uh, sculled a beer before the final. He was in the final and yeah. I was in my final. And uh, <laughs> we both sculled a beer before the final. And it was like, I'm pretty sure you couldn't do that now. Yeah, no, you wouldn't get away with that now. <laughs> but that was, I mean, what was that, probably 80s? I mean, 70s yeah. and 80s down there was the perfect but, time to grow up. Yeah, it was 80, um, I finished school in 82, so, you know, 82, 80 to 83, and um, it was good. It was, you know, I think one of the good things, and again, with guys like Kerbox and that, we're away from the drug element of it. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of that side, but we just like drinking and sure we got in a bit of trouble, yeah. but it was um, it was good for, for us, you know, it was better than the um, some of the other stuff going on. Yeah, I remember growing up down there, it was, uh, it was either heroin or pot, I think, was the, the options yeah. in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I just avoid, I, one of my friends committed suicide at yeah. school when he was 14 and I just never really got into the drug scene yeah. and that was my little lesson. So kind of feel lucky that I didn't do that. Yeah. So from the surfing, you um, was there any surfers though that you surfed against that ended up uh, on the tour? Oh, yeah, well, my claim to fame, I'm not sure what year it was, but I, I got into some of the main event, you know, like Bells and, and Coke Classic and 
I surfed against Tom Carroll when he was the um, I, I was like the lowest yeah. seed surfing against current world champion, and uh, <laughs> he flogged me. But um, I had a few of you know tournaments like that. Yeah. Surfed against all the good guys, all the good ones. Missed, yeah. missed Kelly Slater by two years, yeah. so I would have been doing the trial events when he was coming onto the tour, but yeah. just missed him, which is, you know, he's just amazing. But oh, it would have been good to say you surfed against him. I know, yeah, well, yeah. and um, But Tom Carroll, Tom Curran, Mark Richards, I was kind of a, all that sort of era and, yeah. you know, those amazing surfers. All the legends of that era. Oki, Oki was in my age group. Oki and Damien Harmon were actually <laughs> in my age group as a junior and I kind of probably thought I wasn't as good a surfer as I was because they were so good. Yeah. They were just like so far ahead of us. Yeah, Lockie was another level, wasn't he, at that age? Yeah, it, you know, he he was like a Kelly Slater. Hmm. And um, that probably put me off continuing on with it. I kind of, yeah. if I'd known now, knew then what yeah. I know now, I probably yeah. would have gone a bit more into it. But, yeah. um, you know, I just sort of a little bit of a hierarchy. And, and you would have stuck with it, you think? Because from there, what, what I know you ended up going into the professional triathlon ranks. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so what sparked that? A total, from, from having a beer and a, before a final and surfing... <laughs> And then going off into a triathlon, which you have to be super, super fit. It was kind of really weird because I could, I could run just since I was a kid. I just, I never trained and like I ran a 49 city of the surf, which came yeah. in the top 50 or 100. With not, not much training? Just at like 15 or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I won our Sydney High, used to win nothing in athletics. So I, I trained for three months and won the GPS thing. And, but then I stopped because I won the schoolboy surfing and it was, yeah. should I go to Bells Beach surfing for the national titles or should yeah. I keep running and feel like I'm going to spew up every training session. So it was really a no-brainer. So when I decided to get out of surfing, I realized I could run and it was a bit of a talent. And yeah. so I um, took up triathlon, which mm. is just starting. So the new sport of triathlon, it's kind of like I could have went down the running line yeah. or took up triathlon, which was, which was a new sport and kind of exciting. So that's just, so it was all new in what, late 80s, was it? It came in, triathlon? Oh, uh, no, early, early. Early yeah. 80s? Yeah, 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 late. I think 78 was the first yeah. Hawaii Ironman. Yeah. And then um, we had some of the famous American sort of guys, Mark Allen and co, come over and raced across the harbour. And that pretty much was the first exposure, real big exposure for Australians. And so I saw all that, still was surfing, and then just made the call and went, I'm doing triathlon. I, yeah. I kind of felt like I could be best triathlete in the world. Yep. I never actually felt like I could be the best surfer in the world. <laughs> so I didn't realise, but it's not always about the best surfer. So <laughs> right. if you're smart and you catch the right waves and – which I learnt later in life. Well, probably a smart decision because Kelly Slater was coming through. To, <laughs> so, it was probably the right move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting. So tell us about the triathlon, professional athlete, and transitioning into that from, you know, being a local Bondi guy. Yeah, it was good. I my triathlon life at the elite level was quite short for an, another reason, but it was interesting because. I picked the swimming up really quickly. I'd never done any swimming training at all, but surfed every day since the age of five or yeah, six. Yeah. So obviously... So the surfing would have helped the, the swimming probably. I, I, I became a front-end front-pack swimmer yeah. within a year yeah. of, of swimming, oh, six months. Yeah. So that was good. That, 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 that was good. But the bike riding was hard. Mm. I wasn't a natural cyclist. So I, um, I was lucky. I laughed because ugly bloke. I had a really hot girlfriend that lived on the Central Coast. So I... Um, <laughs> I rode at Central Coast and back once at least once a week. And yeah. the year that I did that was the year I went from being fifth in Australia to first in Australia. Right. And it was as a not a natural bike rider, I just had to work hard at being a good bike rider. And, you know, it became a strength. And I know you're um, renowned through triathlon, dressing up, <laughs> painting yourself. Tell the uh, listeners a bit about that. <laughs> if you're not good at something, do something <laughs> stupid and everyone claps you. 
So uh, I learned that, uh, to be honest, I actually like making people laugh. And I kind of realized it was, again, before Borat and everybody dresses up now. And so I was kind of like a little bit of a groundbreaker thing. And I, you know. People... I think that started the trend, Borat, I reckon. <laughs> like, I knew the trend, the, start, the trendsetter. Yeah. Well, one year I ran the City of the Surf, and this is obviously, you know, slower and unfit. And I went to get my number, and I had my Borat suit under, under my uh, clothes. And I had, like, number 200. So I was not a bad runner. And I went there, and there's a guy number 37 i remember his clearest day number 37 already in down dressed down into his borat suit and i went oh i'm gonna look like a dickhead and i'm gonna be second borat yeah but i ended up passing him oh did you? yeah so yeah, then yeah you first borat. i whacked him on the ass and uh, <laughs> yeah so i was actually the first borat that he blew up so it was, it was good so we're in the triathlon what what was your best ranking around the world i know you did a lot of world triathlons and there's a time yeah. was there a time you're leading Tell us that story, and you got a puncture. There's a yeah, yeah. story out there, but that yeah, I kind of my again my triathlon life was probably pretty short. But uh, in '89, I went to the World Championships in France, and um, I was in the front pack and got a puncture, my first puncture, first and only puncture I've ever had in a race. And um, I went back to 70th, yeah. and then I got off the bike. And Greg Welsh, who ended up eventually winning the Hawaii Ironman, was my teammate, and he wasn't having a very good day. And he was an amazing runner, and him and I were quite competitive in the running we used to have little bets with the runs yeah. so i got off the bike with him we started running and i'm going oh this is cool i'm running with welshie he's a legend i'll just try and keep up as long as i can with him then he just died in the ass it was a really hot yeah. day and i kind of liked running in the heat and i ran through the field and came ninth right. so i went from 70th back to ninth, 70th and, back to ninth. yeah and we and we won the americans were like unbeatable and we came equal first with them in the teams which we actually got it I actually got a world championship gold medal, yeah. which is amazing. So do you think if you didn't get the puncture, you think you could have won it that day oh, while you were running? <laughs> I ran the same. I ran quicker than Mark Allen, who right. who won the race and then won Hawaii Ironman. So right. he ran so that, 240 that year in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was running quite well, yeah. which is a bit of a bummer. Yeah, so I mean, he you know he might not have he might have been able to run quicker if he yeah. had someone next to him, but yeah. you know, definitely would have come second. So, so you, you were mentioning the, you know, your triathlon cut short. I remember um, that... <laughs> The incident that happened, and uh, I was there that night, I think. So, how about we uh, we'll touch on that with the listeners and um, to see how you got over that, you know? Yeah, I just, um, I used to, you know, still drink and muck up a bit. And um, I was down at the, the Uncle Toby's Ironman surf race. I remember there. I was down there watching that. Well, yeah, they gave you guys, I think a chipmunk was in there and you and. No, it was before that. It was before that. They'd actually interviewed me as, right. as a triathlete. Right. And, you know, that guy said, oh, you should do one of these races. And, you know, at the time I was a surfer, anti-clubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, whatever. So anyway, I went and drinking with all the crew. And and um, as you do, I stripped. Yeah. <laughs> in I've nude. seen that many times <laughs> over the years. <laughs> We're used to doing that back in Monday. So I, uh, I got in the nude and the bouncer didn't like it. And kind of the bouncer was going to hit me up. So I bolted, as you do, and, and ran out and got hit by a car. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much the beginning and end. I did stuff after it, but that was... That was the um, – I was in a bit of trouble. It was a pretty serious <laughs> accident, wasn't it? You were uh, in hospital for a while, major injuries and – Yeah, collapsed lung, broken ribs, skull fractures. My knee was stuffed and probably lucky to be alive. Like like just seeing where I was in the hospital and you don't – like just as a surfer, athlete, yeah. you're just used to like getting back – kicking back on the bike. And yeah. so I kind of – I looked across and I remember just waking up because I was in a coma for a while and just going – all I was thinking was I've got to get out of here. Yeah. So, which is, you know, sport taught me that. And I'm really thankful in that situation that, you know, the life lessons of learning to fight and, you know, sport 
help me with that. So, so you think yeah. that helped? Because we touch a lot these days on mental health and how people come through major accidents and, and, and situations in their life. So that you really think the sport and how fit you were got you through that, that time? Yeah, that sort of stuff. You actually didn't even think of it like that back then. Like if I psychoanalyzed it now, you know, you'd have all these little hurdles there and there'd be mental blanks and this and that. And But by then it was sport is a great teacher of life things. You know, you, you, you go well in a race or you go bad in a race or you go well in a training session or you, you get sick or you don't get sick or, you know, and that's pretty reflective mm. of life. So, yeah, I think the, the things of people find stability in, by exercising and training and, um, and, and racing. Yeah, course. and I, I think that's the perfect example for people out there to get into a bit of exercise and, and train and get you mentally stable as well. And mm. that's something that you can really um, work on with the, the rest of your life. With the incident, you had to make that, that comeback. Yeah. Was, it, was it tough thinking, well, I'm never going to get back to where I was, but what motivated you to, to keep going forward and just not giving it all up and packing it in? Well, just baby steps. I lost my hearing and the nerve, which runs somewhere in my brain. So, <laughs> anyway, I tried to swim and I couldn't swim. Yeah. Like I literally did barrel rolls. It took me right. 10 minutes to swim a lap. And again, that thing of like, I've just got to, like the baby step, I've just yeah. got to get to the end of the pool and then the end of the pool, you know, becomes, I'm going to, you know, swim a kilometre and I'm going to go and do an ocean swim and all that sort of stuff. So I think you naturally do. Again, sports taught me that. Yeah. And not, not even high-level sport, you know, like obviously I was involved with that, but it's just, just sport in general teaches you that. So then one step led to another. And, and then I just – I was actually going to become a swim coach and like full-time and do that, and I had a proper setup. And then I actually started getting fitter and faster again. Yep. So I went back in and did some stuff. And I think you did start doing more races and got back yeah. into it. And Well, I actually got – and- yeah, the next year I actually did Surf Ironman, which was the first of the Uncle Tobys and – I had taken up their their offer. <laughs> they they paid me to do Ironman, so um, and I was hopeless, um, which is funny. But I, I started doing that, and then after that first year, the World Championships in triathlon was on the Gold Coast, and I qualified. I was lucky. I just made the team by one place. I'm very limited training, <laughs> probably sign of. And then we had guys like Miles Stewart and yeah. Brad Bevan and Greg Welsh, and those guys were Steve Foster. They've all won World Championship medals and whatever so i was kind of the next guy i was like the best of the rest you know so i just made that team and i was in really good shape i was actually running faster than i did a run i was heavier because of the ski paddling yeah but then i got into a fever (laughs) (laughs) and that pretty much cut my athletic i've never been the same since i got yeah i've just which i've just managed i just don't i just got to be careful how much training i do now and you know i'm not like i'm i've never really been in bed laying flat on my back but if i have a block of training it always blows yeah, up. Knocks after, you about. After about eight yeah. weeks, I'm kind of pretty much cooked. So, so now around the eastern suburbs, you've known as the super coach. <laughs> you've coached me a bit over the years. I still come and do a little bit of swimming training with you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you've got uh, Bondi Fit. You get everyone down. As we're talking about over the, the uh, years, people getting out there, it helps your mental health to exercise. And I couldn't recommend more to go down to Bondi Fit. You swim at Bondi. You've got your whole triathlon training. Tell us a bit about what, what they can uh, get if they come and train you too i could make you a champion (laughs) i know well it's it's kind of interesting because i've done a lot of elite level coaching and i would say that i'm probably not doing that at the moment for one reason or another i've kind of micromanaged a lot of people who want to swim in the ocean and you know not necessarily at an elite level which is 
it's kind of cool because there's a lot more slower people than there are faster people. <laughs> so we do a lot of surf swimming for you know guys who are competitive in their age groups in the ocean swims and yeah. triathlons and well, you know I've got one or two sort of pro athletes, but we do a lot of um, people who just want to swim in the squad, want to swim across the beach, want to get better at going in and out through the surf, and then obviously in the pool a lot of people have to start in the pool learning to swim so i do stuff in prince alfred park and the pool in the city and um you know that's where they get the technique right and also the basic fitness for being in the ocean something that's misunderstood a little bit everyone everyone wants to swim across the beach and in and out but they don't realize that they've got to do a lot of work in the in the pool to be fit enough to you know so the waves don't knock you around so yep. you've got the stamina yeah there's a lot to it and um I've always wondered you've had the ability but never wanted to be a lifeguard. <laughs> you never offered me a job. <laughs> I could have done that. Um, no, it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't know because yeah. um, it's a pretty cool job. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I've got, well, I've got this thing. I, so when I was surfing, it wasn't very popular. Then it became popular once I stopped. Then triathlon wasn't popular and it became popular when I stopped. So I'm 100% convinced Bondi Rescue will finish the day that I start being a lifeguard and no one will ask for my autograph and I'll just be a cranky old man on the beach telling people to get off the beach. <laughs> With the uh, coaching, was is it, you know, does it frustrate you when you see people, you know, you're telling them, I often see you telling them what to do and, 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 and encouraging them, but... Uh, some don't, just don't listen. <laughs> Some don't listen. It's kind of funny because you've got this thing of, and especially now that with my market change, is people come to escape. They've had a hard day at work, and and I make a joke. My worst people are the accountants. They can't count and they can't <laughs> they can't work out what time they're done and what time you know. So it's there is a completely different thing of a highly tuned, goal driven elite athlete to now my bulk market of who I'm coaching is people who come to learn something obviously and get fitter and get away and mm. good mental health but you know there, there's, there's this fine line between i'm here to relax and chill out but i need you to teach me everything you know yeah. in one go because a lot of and again in the eastern suburbs they're high achieving people and they probably got for a university on two hours sleep and so they actually think that they can do all this stuff which is kind of cool but it's can yes can be a little bit frustrating because <laughs> they uh they're not convinced one of the other things that's happened which is which is a bit sad is all this online stuff, people will read about swimming, they'll mm. talk about swimming, but they actually won't swim. And you, you probably see this with the stuff yeah. you've done with the kids and parents of the kids. And, you know, my own kids now, they've got to swim twice a week just to be learning yeah. to swim. You know, they were doing once a week. And a lot of people don't realise that you actually need to swim more. Yeah, you need to swim like, a fair oh. bit, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. The other things, like the other sports that I coach, have, I've got certain things, like with Reedy, he ran his marathon the wrong way three or four times before he actually listened to me and uh, then he broke his three-hour marathon and by listening to me. So yeah. it's good. You know, I, I feel like that I, you know, help people achieve goals like that. Yeah. Well, it must um, be satisfying once you see someone achieve their goal. Like, as you said, they don't have to be an elite athlete, but they could be just someone you train up that can't swim one lap of the pool yeah. to then be able to, to, to swim a, a lap across Bondi. Yep. Well, I, I had a guy who told me that he could swim last Sunday morning. Yeah. And he turned up and he couldn't swim. I did duty of care. I, I actually GoPro'd him because I said to the guy next to me, I said, this bloke won't be able to swim. <laughs> he did 70 strokes and then I said, whistled him in. I had a couple of other people yeah. um, to coach. Anyway, he come, he's come to the pool and this week he's come twice and he's on that exact pro process of getting to swim across Bondi, but, which is kind of his dream. Yeah. And, you know, he'll be another 
two two weeks, but he'll do it, and yeah. it's amazing. You know, it's good. It's good to see. He's going to do everything he's told now because he's <laughs> he, he was <a> naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, great having you in chatting about uh, you know your life, the the growing up in Bondi, and yeah. you know it's great to uh, see. And I, I need to get to uh, swing a bit more too. Once a week's not cutting it for me. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, 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 it's funny because a lot of people just you know they put their, they dip their hand in the water. And probably in a lot of sports they do that as well. But swimming's got its own little things. Yeah, you got to be definitely got to be consistent with it. If you're mm. not consistent, you're never going to get anywhere. I, th- I think we um, and you're again as head lifeguard. We used to be in the water more actively. Yep. You know, like I say, like I'm sure you used to paddle yep. around just yep. naturally, paddling around and being with the kids, and even just on yep. a level of doing patrols. Like yep. I spent my whole time of my eight or ten years of patrols yeah. in the water yeah which obviously you don't do now you don't do it as you get older no yeah it's not just not as active and in, in, in it and you yeah. need to be in it every day really it's, you need to lose your driver's license to uh yeah. get on your bike that's right so that's the, only time I, the only time I've, I've ridden a bike is when i lost my license that still can get me in the triathlon <laughs> all right great uh great stuff spot and uh i'll catch up with the pool soon Thank, yeah. thanks for having me <laughs> Well, that was an enjoyable chat with Bondi legend and my great mate, Spot Anderson. Now for Beach Banner with lifeguard Mario. G'day, Mario. Hey, Tyler Hopper. How are you today? Yeah, good, you. Very good. There's rumours going around and I've had a few little phone calls from people. I'm not going to give my sources away, but apparently you've been uh, out doing a bit of modelling. Yeah. And uh, modelling for clippers. Here we go. Can, what do you can got? you put the story straight here? <laughs> what have we got? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Did nothing. <laughs> oh man! Look, I don't know. Just um, I've been approached from this um, brand, and uh, because the summer is uh, is coming soon, so they wanna <laughs> they want me to basically represent their own brand yeah. of. Um, yeah, clippers. Yeah, in Manscaped, well, they say in Italians you've got a lot of hair. Hair, yeah, <laughs> quite, quite a bit. <laughs> so tell us about the shoot. How did that go? What, what did you have to do? Just, um, I had a bit of a chat with them, uh, grooming men, and then basically he was explaining how that works, and um, he, I uh, was asking him if he works, and yeah. Also, another spot of the yeah. body, basically. So it's your <laughs> beard and chest, but uh, then you asked him about another area yeah. that you needed a little bit of work with. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, did. <laughs> I had that day that day, and so I wanted to make sure that I was perfect, you know. Yeah. So I asked if it was working somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did you come out and say? Oh, I say after <laughs> you gave it a little trim. Say, oh wow. It's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they use all this trick, you know, these days. <laughs> so what do you reckon is going to happen when uh, this little video comes out and uh, certain people at the beach, lifeguards, get to see it? What, well, what do you think is going to happen? I think uh, well, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Look, I'm lucky <laughs> I have a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, I don't know what could happen otherwise if it's true this. <laughs> we might have to ask her, is it bigger? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's, uh, it'll be out soon. And I reckon uh, I might, uh, I've got a, 
a source that I can get hold of this video. And uh, <laughs> for everyone listening, we'll, uh, that video might end up in the uh, the VIP section in the uh, Beach Shack. So if you want to see Mario in, <laughs> in his best, make sure you uh, sign up and get into the Beach Shack. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Rob. <laughs> Thanks, Muzz, for coming in. It's always good having Mario in the Beach Shack, but even better to get the letters from my fans. So now for the mailbag. This letter is from Briny. If you were drowning, who would you want to rescue you? Well, pretty much, I think, uh, looking at everybody down there over the years and the current lifeguards, I would say that I'd probably want Clint Clipper Kimmins to come and uh, rescue me because he's uh, good in all-size surf, uh, very knowledgeable and very, very uh, quick to get out and get you and get you back in. So I would say that he would be my number one to come and get me if I was ever in trouble out the back in Big Surf. This one's from Sarah, and she's from Hornsby in Sydney. What is your favourite beach in the whole world, apart from Bondi, and why? Well, I'll probably have to go with uh, Bronte Beach there. That's very close to Bondi. I grew up at Bronte all my life, spent a lot of time down there. So outside of Bondi, I reckon uh, Bronte would be one of my favourite, and the surf there can be quite good too. So perfect for surfing, perfect to hang out, and that's uh, my favourite beach. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.